Good morning. This is Sunday Ozarks at Large. I'm Kyle Kellums, and sitting to my left in the studios, Heim Goodman-Strauss. Good morning, Kyle. Good morning, Heim. He's a math professor at the University of Arkansas. Well, we have a guest on the air with us today, uh, Ed Berger, a professor of mathematics at Williams College and the recipient of the Mathematical Association of America HIMO Teaching Award, is here to talk about his, well, a couple of his textbooks. And and for those of the, those listeners who don't know where Williams College is, Ed, where is Williams? Uh, good morning. It's uh, located in the northwestern corner of Massachusetts, up in the beautiful Berkshire Mountains. All right. It's about as far from any urban setting you can get up there, I guess, isn't it? Um, well, it's certainly the furthest point from Boston, but we're close to Albany, New York, and mm-hmm. uh, there's some there's some little nice towns around. There's some ham- we call them hamlets around here. So I guess you have a second edition of the Heart of Mathematics, a book you wrote with uh, Michael Starbird, um, has come out. It's a really remarkable book. Um, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about the philosophy, what you were setting out to do with it. Oh, sure, of course. Uh, this is uh, primarily a textbook, although you can read it as a, as a fun read, I guess, if you want, for students that are not traditionally apt toward mathematical or scientific ideas. It's for the humanities-type folks that, that are, are usually are squeamish about looking at equations. In fact, there are very few equations in this fairly large book. And so it's a textbook to try to introduce the really beautiful, the really big, and the really important ideas of mathematics to this audience. And the way we do that is by posing intriguing questions and by setting up surprises and by showing that there's a template of thinking that allows us to crack really, really hard questions open. And in fact, that's the philosophy. The philosophy of the book is twofold. Number one, that there are some great ideas out there in mathematics that rival some of the great ideas uh, in philosophy and the arts and literature and so forth, and that have shaped humankind. And second, that there's a mindset, there are life lessons that math teaches us, and if we apply those life lessons even beyond math, we can actually resolve all the issues uh, that appear in our lives or our other disciplines. That's great. Well, like, what's an example of an example of, a, of some of the, my favorite topics, mathematical summits that, that we discuss in the book, include the, the fourth dimension. That's wonderful, right? Is it possible to wrap our minds and our imaginations around worlds that we physically can't see? So can, are, are our minds so agile that we can transcend the reality of, of our world around us? That's a wonderful topic. So how does and, that give you a life lesson? What's the life well, lesson? Well, the life lesson there for, for the fourth dimension is when you're faced with a really, really hard challenge, don't do it. <laughs> and instead, uh, create something easier to do. Oh, yeah, like building it up with analogies. Exactly. Right. And so in that case, you'd want to start by trying to understand the second dimension. And the mm-hmm. Flatland's a great classical example of that kind of thing. And then, and then the lesson is that really, by understanding simple things deeply, we can use them as an intellectual catapult to take us to the more complicated thing. You know, the interesting fact about, about scientific creation and any kind of creation is that, in fact, we don't, as mathematicians, uh, solve hard problems directly. We don't. What we do is we create easier questions, and then we use those to build up and to convert the original hard question to something that's actually easy. Yeah, that's, that's, how, that's how the forefronts of knowledge in all disciplines move forward. Mm-hmm. It's through that process. So whenever you're faced with a hard question, never, ever face it head-on. Instead, you've got to do something else. And there's a life lesson from the fourth dimension. As I flip through it, it's very colorful. There are excellent diagrams. Is that, you know, obviously that's by design. Yes. We really wrote this book. Mike Starbird, who's from the University of Texas at Austin, and I wrote this book uh, not 
to be adopted as much as to be read by real students. And, and, you know, if you look at a generic textbook, especially in math, they, they really aren't designed with the student reader in mind. And so we tried to make every page enticing, first of all, by trying to have no equations in the book. And if you thumb through it, you really will see very few, if any, equations. Um, but we tried to make the, the visual look of the book, every page spread, we designed to have something interesting, intriguing that will hopefully draw you in. And if you read any paragraph or any two paragraphs, there should be something in there that's either intriguing or funny or entertaining that will draw the reader in. Right. It's not, it's not like intriguing in some glitzy, superficial way. It really has uh, depth, as you say, in every, every little bit. Like I think that calculus books, for example, pack it with lots of graphics typically, but they're not, they're not intriguing, I wouldn't say. Well, I don't want to criticize anyone's textbook, but, but uh, it's just not clear. Uh, I think when textbooks are being written today, for the most part, they're, they're being written to be adopted and not to mm-hmm. be read. So do you have a particular uh, favorite challenge or puzzle that you'd like to pose? Well, I'll tell you the most, imba- uh, the embar- most embarrassing uh, challenge or puzzle. How about that? Okay. Yeah, okay. Right. And this appears, I think it's on like page nine or something of the okay. book. This is a great picture there. So um, here's the question. I was once giving a, a parents' weekend talk here at Williams in front of a, a fairly large audience. This was years ago when I was oh, much younger. I think this is a famous story. Actually. Well, I don't know. If, I don't think it's that famous, but it I've was heard, certainly embarrassing. Heard this, yeah. And so the the mag- the the talk was about magic and mathematics, and basically what it was was showing all sorts of different illusions that appear uh, math- that appear magical, but in fact are mathematical in, in nature. And mm-hmm. some of the secrets I revealed, and so we, we discussed some mathematics and had some fun, and others I left as a, as a secret for them to figure out you know, later. So it was, it was quite fun, but the, the, um, the grand finale of the talk was to ask the following question. Is it possible to take a piece of rope, a fairly long piece of rope, like maybe four feet or something, or an extension cord or something like that, some kind of cord, and tie one end of the rope uh, around your right ankle, uh-huh. and then the other end of the rope around your left ankle. And so it's nice and snug around both ankles. And so if you think about it, you, you have a half-human, half-rope loop. Uh-huh. Your legs form half of the loop, and then the rope forms the other half. And so you have a closed circuit. You have like a, a big circle. And now the question is, can you remove your pants... <laughs> and turn them inside out and put them back on so that they are now totally back on your body, but inside out so the pockets are flailing in the wind there, uh, without ever cutting the rope. Remember, the rope is tied snugly around each ankle. And this was a puzzle that I, I put forth to this group, and then I jumped on the table in this, in this theater, and I began to attempt it live. So do you have to be a contortionist or have uh, it's her, I, I have no coordination skills at all, and I was able to resolve the question. I won't say if it's possible or not, but let me say that it's something that one could definitely try, and I'll give a hint that if you really want to try it, you might be better off starting with short pants, <laughs> shorts. And then, and then if you can do that, then maybe you can progress up to the long pants that the adults wear. Well, all I can say is it's too bad we're on radio. Uh, actually, if TV, you, if you see me visually, you, you'll see that I have a face for radio, so it's better this way. <laughs> so the, so, so the, the, these ropes are tied snugly from the right yeah, ankle so to the left the, ankle? there's no gap. Exactly. You can't sneak things you know, through it. Uh, imagine uh, when I perform this live, I have it very taut, very, very tight around my ankle, so it, it doesn't restrict the blood circulation, but there's no way to pass any objects through it. Okay. Now, we're not liable for any injuries that our audience members may... And neither is Williams College. Do not sue my school. Okay. Thank you. All right, so next week we'll find out if it's possible and how it's possible. Thank you very much, Ed. My pleasure.